Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I am Brett McGrath, B2B marketer, sport car collector, and investor, and professional wrestling fan. I hope you all feel as relaxed and rested as I do right now. Sleep is important. Going to bed early, it's important, and it helps. And I feel like I got some of the best sleep of my entire life on my vacation, and man, it rolled. It really did. And it was cold in Minnesota. No joke. Like, that's chilly up there right now. And But I was feeling it. I needed that. I needed that hoodie weather. I needed to get that cold weather um, to wake me up in the morning, going on runs, running the hills in northern Minnesota, man. That was something, man. That, that, that got me. That made me alive. And we had uh, two uh, cabins set up. Really, really fun time. Um, my wife and I were in one. And my best friend and his wife were in another. Ours didn't have heat. And so we were layered up going to bed and waking up in the middle of the night, man. It was like 30 degrees out there. Whoo, that is what I'm talking about. That's how you wake up. But we got some great sleep. We relaxed. We ate a ton of food. It was just awesome. And it was a nice getaway. And it was safe. And it was relaxing. And it was much needed. And I would encourage everyone to try to find some time to peel back if you have the opportunity and just get away from the norm right now. Lots of crazy stuff is going on. We don't even need to get into that, but I can't tell you how recharged I feel after a week away. It wasn't a week away from the hobby though. I'm always in the weeds and I'm always trying to understand the latest trends, what matters and what what's happening. So that was something that I had being involved with. I was um, trying to figure out what was happening and definitely engaged. So hopefully, if I connected with you over the last week, I appreciate that. I was looking to maintain my connections during vacation, but man, that was great. But I'm excited to be back home here in Indianapolis. And as I record this, the Colts, man, I'm after a rocky road of a start. And I know they haven't played too much competition, but I'm seeing some signs. Hopefully they can keep that rolling. Got a tough one here on Sunday against the 3-0 Bears with a a new quarterback. Super Bowl rematch, 41. Uh, We'll see what happens on the other side, but I'm feeling really optimistic. And if the the Colts won't go down here, I'm not losing sleep because I think there's some Good things happening in Chicago, but I gotta say, I have not seen a defense as dominant like this in a long time. And hopefully that just continues because obviously when our teams win, that lifts the spirits and gets us excited. You know, we consume more content, we're having more conversations. And that's just me, right? When when the team loses, it's like, all right, let's just stand back. I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to let it get me down. I don't want to read articles. But on the other side of that is is winning and consuming content and just feeling optimistic and excited. Um, and that's what we're always looking for as sports fans. I think 
I have been engaged and really excited watching the NBA Finals. Definitely just a, a string of bad luck for the Heat with the injuries. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's just destiny. And sometimes stuff happens in sports that is just meant to be. And I know a lot of people have commented on this, and I've been thinking a lot about it. And it's weird how sometimes an event happens in life and it takes a long time for that to really set in and, and come to realization and grips with the situation. But I've, I have been really thinking about the Lakers a lot in their history and everything that that franchise has done for the game, their fan base, all the amazing players, and the fact that LeBron James is there now with Anthony Davis, who's absolutely dominating. And if you think about just the game of basketball and especially the NBA, the Lakers are always going to be the start of the conversation. They're always going to be a topic people want to talk about. They've got so many passionate fans. And really, like when I'm talking about destiny, I really think that this team has been destined to win this championship. And on the heels of just the passing of Kobe Bryant, I think this team is playing for something. They're playing for them, they're themselves. They're playing for that organization. But most importantly, they're playing for the Bryant family. And that's something that I can certainly get behind. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I really like about this Lakers team. I, I, I pick them to win early. I know I wasn't going on a limb there. I think they're just, to me, it was hard to bet against LeBron, but I'm, I'm really happy for guys like Frank Vogel. Um, we loved Frank Vogel here in Indiana. Um, and as the coach of the Pacers, just a guy who is just always going to work hard to and earn the positions that he has got in life. And I think, you know, you keep treating people right. You keep working hard. You always end up in the right situation. And I think Coach Vogel has certainly done that. And I'm excited for him. I'm excited that he is a part of this um, this team. And it, it looks like he will be a part of Ed, the coach of a NBA championship team. And that's exciting. I think, you know, you, you peel it back another le layer and you, you look at just like LeBron and LeBron is probably the biggest storyline that is in this finals along with just Kobe Bryant in general and just the connection and the legacy that LeBron and will will have on the Lakers organization and the ties to Kobe and Kobe Bryant. I think is powerful. And, you know, when LeBron signed with the Lakers, there was a just a lot of sentiment. This is pre Kobe passing of just like, you know, this is Kobe's town. And, 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 you know, there was some sentiment across the fan base with it, whether it was murals being um, put up that people didn't like it. And I think LeBron has always in somewhat, some way or the other has been kind of a polarizing figure across the league. Um, some people, for whatever reason that I don't understand, just have always kind of had a negative vendetta, vendetta against him. But I will tell you, I, if LeBron ever decided, which he won't, to come to Indiana, we'd, we'd pull out the red carpet. But I think that city is just so passionate about Kobe and it being his team. They wanted to protect the legacy. And I don't think LeBron will ever stand in the way of the legacy that Kobe Bryant um, has and everything he done with the did in Los Angeles with the Lakers, 
but I think this will be just a compliment and an opportunity for him to carry on the legacy of Kobe Bryant. It's undeniable every time they wear the Mamba jerseys, they haven't lost and they talk about that. So I think just this is super, this is one of those bigger than basketball situations. And I think just as a fan of Kobe Bryant, as a fan of LeBron James, as a fan of basketball, this is super powerful and and meaningful um, to sports in general. And I just want to comment on that. And I just just want to comment too on just LeBron James, my connection with him as a player and me as a fan. And I was thinking about this as I was watching the Lakers um, win game two. And as I record this, it's on the heels of game two. Um, And I just, I kept thinking about just this guy and just, I think the connection with him and me is just, I feel like I've grown up. I feel like I've become a man while watching this guy grow up and play basketball. We're around the same age. And just, there's just this connection where when, you know, watching Michael Jordan, sure, I was astounded by him and he's absolutely incredible. And this is not a LeBron versus Michael Jordan take here at all. I, I don't like touching that, but this is just a, for me, at the point that I am in life, I was a little kid when, when Michael Jordan was dominating and I was in my adolescence. And so for me, Michael Jordan is just almost larger than life and just the sports figure and icon that you know, transcends time and destiny. And I look at LeBron and it's more of a, hey, well, we we kind of grew and became people and grew up at the around the same time, similar age. And I, so I feel like as I've matured in my time as an adult, um, I've watched LeBron mature as his time, his time in adult, as an adult. And um, just there's a connection there with me and just watching him play. How many more years will we get of dominant basketball from LeBron James? Who knows? But I'm I'm going to watch it because there will never be another LeBron James and there will never be another player that steps on the floor that is able to um, do what he does. And I was like, the amount of final appearances in a row, row is just astronomical and probably will never be touched. But I, you know, I was thinking about it and it's like, I just can't remember. And I don't know if there's ever been just one guy that, you know, he moves teams and moves conferences and it changes the entire landscape. And that's just how powerful and how great of a player LeBron James is. And I love greatness. I respect greatness. And I don't care where you come from, what team you you play for, but if you're great, you're someone I'm going to get behind and I'm going to want to watch because that's just as a passionate sports fan, that's something I'm about. And LeBron James has certainly done that. So I'm enjoying watching him and I will always enjoy watching LeBron James. And that segues into sports cards, right? What's going to happen with the LeBron James cards once he wins the finals? There's been a lot of conversations about this. And I think like, just if you look across the board in, in recent history, it seems like a lot of the times the market's, market gets flooded with cards of superstars that are about to win a championship, which causes the prices of these cards to slowly dip. And I think that plays into the the perspective of just the hype that is built into card prices and just the reaction of the market based on what happens and sellers and sellers flooding the market with specific cards. So like, don't be surprised if um, 
when the Lakers win the championship, if LeBron's cards go down a little bit, just because everyone's sitting there trying to sell their LeBron James cards. This happened with Patrick Mahomes. Okay. So after he won the Super Bowl, um, this is just a trend that continues to happen. So I think if you're thinking about investing in LeBron, like just let it ride. Like don't freak out and don't panic. And I think regardless, his legacy is built and cemented. And it might be when they're going and they're bringing in another free agent next season that people start putting more money and stock back into the LeBron James cards if they have dipped. And I can see those prices going up. So if you've got LeBron James cards, rookie cards, and you want to keep them, keep them. Don't feel like you have to sell them. I think that's an important thing. We should all feel and it should be case by case and it should be a decision made by you like don't let outside forces make those decisions make the decisions that make you happy and that are best for you and i'll tell you my decision so i i bought um uh, several months ago some lebron james lakers pieces to sell so my intention was i was going to buy these cards and i was going to sell them because i think lebron james is um going to win the NBA finals. That was my take when I bought these cards. Now, like as I've, I've, I've evolved in the hobby, that's still my perspective. And it's not because I'm trying to sell off LeBron James because I don't believe in him or his legacy. It's these cards are cards that are nice Lakers, LeBron cards, but they don't fit within my strategy and philosophy of today being cards that are limited and scarce and cards that are hard to find. And so that's my uh, how I'm operating when I'm thinking about selling these cards. And if I, I the, the tough part about this is I just talked about how much I appreciate and love le- watching LeBron James. And if my mentality is limited and scarce in LeBron James, chances are they're probably outside my budget. So this is going to be an interesting situation for me where I'm going to sell off some of my LeBron James Lakers cards and then be put in a situation where, well, what do I do to obtain nice LeBron James cards? That's prioritizing, that's budgeting, that's selling to climb up the ladder. And I think that's how we should all be thinking about our cards when we're moving forward and when championships happen and when um, legends cement their legacies even further. So some cards that I am looking to uh, sell, and I I think I've talked about them a little bit, but I've got to uh, Silver Prism from this year, BGS 9.5. I bought in that, on that card at $305 and now it's $710. Yes, there was a time where I think it touched two Gs. Probably should have sold it then, but that's okay. Pink Camo Mosaic, BGS 9.5. That card is actually, um, I bought it for $150 and now it's $140. So that card has actually lost some value, which is interesting. And then the 2018 Optic Hollow PSA 9. I bought it for $399 and now it's $550. My mentality and approach on this is I think Lakers, as I record this, are up 2-0. I think it's time for me to put these cards up and try to sell before everyone tries to sell once they win the finals. Um, so my the prices of those cards don't get um, diluted a little bit. I think my intention is to take those monies and put them into cards that I 
find scarce that are aligned to players that I'm passionate about. And so that's my plan. What I'm in, I'm in, I'm in fundraising mode right now. So if I think about my startup life and I think about what that entails to build and develop companies, a lot of the time it takes fundraising and I'm fundraising through selling off my um, cards and going to take those monies and put those into cards that I really love. And a great option and opportunity for this are new marketplaces. And I think that is an awesome way to start talking about something that I saw this week that really gets me motivated and excited. And I think it should get you motivated and excited. And that is Card Ladder's launch of the marketplace. It's in beta mode. So this is what everyone should know about beta mode. Beta mode doesn't mean that when you get on and you don't find the cards you want or you don't like the experience that you say this sucks and you never go back. Beta mode is meant for customer feedback. So you give that feedback over to the card ladder team and so that they can take and consolidate all the user's feedback and then go take and make some changes that are going to make the experience even better. So that's what beta mode mode means, just in case you are wondering. So take that into consideration. It's just like card ladder in general. When you, if you've been a user for a while, you've seen new features and functionality pop up weekly. And that's cool. That's because that's how software and product works. You don't release everything at once. You, You get feedback and you release the features that people want over a period of time. And so the marketplace, the encouraging thing about the marketplace right now is that it is an option and an opportunity for you and the cards that you're putting into Card Ladder to list them for sale. And they make it super easy. This is just something that I'm motivated and passionate about because it helps bring together collectors and investors around the cards they have without the gimmicks of fees that eBay has. Are you going to put up a card and is it going to get the, the same demand as listing a card on eBay right out of the gates? Absolutely not. So that shouldn't be your expectation. But it is an option and opportunity for you to list the card and see what happens. And then maybe you get a bite or two, but then you can also run the play of putting up an auction on eBay and just see what happens. So I think that's something that um, you should take into consideration when looking at the card ladder marketplace. I think like they're building something that's becoming kind of a one-stop shop for your collecting um, and investing analysis with their charts, um, looking at trends, looking at um, hobby content. I want to shout them out like I always do for for uh, putting Stacking Slabs content um, front and center on um, their platform. Much appreciated. Um, but this is innovation, baby. This is what I'm talking about. This is the innovation that needs to happen because this type of disruption allows um, existing systems to change. And I think I'm excited about that. No one likes fees. No one, no one likes that end of the month stuff from eBay where we sit. It takes the fun away from it. So I'm excited that the Card Ladder team is on a path to give us all another alternative and another option. And I think it's really cool. And I think you should think it's cool too. So if you haven't already, like dip your toes in card ladder, give it a shot. Because I think for me, this is something that just as it's someone who operates, creates content in the hobby, like I also think very diligently about the technology I use to support my hobby habits and card ladder has been nothing but lights out for me from day one. So when I see awesome shit happening, I'm going to 
say, hey, this is something you should all be looking at. So shout out to Card Ladder there. I hope you all got a chance to check out my conversation with um, everyone's favorite meme maker, uh, Lameem James. So I had a ton of fun doing that. And I'm having so much fun talking to these people in the hobby who make me happy and give me thoughts and give me opinions on things. And uh, Lameem has definitely done that. And I think one of the things we talked about is just trends. And we, we provided a kind of a commentary over the hobby. And it was just real talk, right? And one of the things we talked a lot about is just how the hobby just kind of seems and mirrors reality TV at times. Stuff happens, whether it's content creators, grading companies, card prices. And we're like, is someone messing with this? Is this scripted? Because it feels at times that the hobby is being produced by somebody up in a tower and stuff that catches our attention. And we're like, is this real or not? So I think that's something that like, I've been thinking a lot about and I've just something I've noticed and I think it's fine and it's good. And I think it gives us entertainment on a regular basis and stuff happens and we might not always agree with it, but at least we can go reach out to a like-minded friend to check out what they think and just start that conversation. And one of the things that I thought this week that was like, dude, is this like reality television or not? Was Kendrick Perkins, uh, showing up on Instagram that kind of got the hobby being like, Oh, we got perk up in here, given uh, talking about cards and stuff. And, you know, he said, if it ain't PSA, don't bring it our way. Obviously, like I look at that situation and rumor and innuendo suggests that perk has some sort of connection to PSA in some way. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. That's just the buzz and the chatter, what I've been hearing, but you think about this and you've got Kendrick Perkins, hell of a pro, man. He was a banger. He was a guy you didn't want to mess with um, on some really good teams. But you got this guy who's got a big audience, right? Because he's an NBA player and he's up here touting PSA and he is uh, showing off his cards, you know, John Morant base, um, Luca base, um, you know, and I think Zion base. And, you know, he's saying, don't bring it our way if it's not PSA. Well, you know, like, it's just kind of ironic in a way because it's like, all right, well, Kendrick Perkins is collecting cards. He's showing his stuff off on Instagram, um, their base cards, which is typically how people start. And then he's touting off PSA. But then at the end of the day, it's like, does, does he know, like, yes, PSA cards are the most valuable commodity, no doubt. But does he understand kind of what's happened in the inner workings of PSA and the current state that they're in and how the hobby thinks about them and the brand damage that PSA has done to themselves? I don't know, but that's just something to think about and consider as we new people enter the hobby like Kendrick Perkins touting PSA and just the timing on it's just absolutely impeccable because we get just another brilliant update from um PSA and I don't want to get into this and just talk about PSA and start it off on a negative note but again it's just like prices you know and trying to eliminate service levels and price increases and everything they say is just like oh my gosh like really like it it just constantly I I mean I I get it but I don't get it and it just their their delivery of their communication is always just brutal and so I think about new people coming in. I think about grading companies and what what's happening and what's ha- not happening. And I think like we all just need to take a step back. 
and know that like the hobby's not perfect. Like not everything everyone says or does is going to be things that we agree with or makes us happy. But when you do see those things that make you cringe or you're like, man, why is this happening the way it does? Just like kind of like come like look at it and then let it pass you by and just don't drag on a drag on it for a while because it's just not going to make you happy. So that's just my feedback to all of you stacking slabs family that it's, it's, it's wild out there. It's crazy. It's wild, wild west and stuff is happening. And I, I, I just gotta just like put a bow on this topic just to go back to Lameem James. And I, I got to shout out him again. I was watching one of his IG lives and he was talking about PSA and the hiring. And like my take on the hiring has always been like, well, what are these people being hired for? Like you can hire a bunch of people, but like they could be, you know, cooks, they could be, you know, cleaning bathrooms, they could be administrative assistants for the seat for the executive team. Like what what's that mean for us? So I was watching an Instagram live uh of uh Lameem this week and he was talking about that. And um he he mentioned that, you know, these these people, there's people being added to check comps at the end of the order. So that then you, if you're, if you've got your cards uh, listed under a certain level that they could upcharge you based on the value of recent comps. I cannot confirm or deny this, but I think if that's happening, oh man, like that's brutal. And I'm not trying to say that like they shouldn't have some, they shouldn't have some discretion over cards and what you're putting listing them at and what they really are like that should be part of the process but if you're making people wait and you're telling people we're hiring more people and then on the back end you're plugging those people in to check comps to then charge us more money after we've been waiting six months for our cards then that's where we get our pitchforks out that's what i'm saying um, so I think it's just interesting. It's an interesting time in the hobby. And I think like we all just need to be adaptable, keep communicating, keep sharing your experiences. And like, again, like I talk about this with grading, like if something's happening with what PSA, BGS, SGC, any of the grading companies, if stuff, stuff is happening that's upsetting you and you don't think is right, like just, just use your platform. Like tag me. I told you I'd share everything. I just think it's it's really important that we all unite and we all share our experiences so we can know what to expect. I move forward in the hobby every day and I reflect back on just things I would have done and how I would have done things differently. And just some themes always kind of rise to the top. And it's like you've got the period of time where no sports were happening and the insanity of cards what would I have done during that period? I just think like, you know, chances are I would have been focused in on selling more, right? Because prices are high at that point. You've got this slabbed base cards that are just plummeting. And if I would have done things differently, I probably wouldn't. I jump back into the hobby. I probably wouldn't have moved in that direction, even though that's what seemingly everyone does. But I think like, just in hindsight's 2020. And I think like the slab base card movement, like this is something we all just need to be really, really careful of. I think these, a lot of this is speculation and a lot of this is hype and a lot of these cards are 
overproduced in mass quantity. And a lot of these cards are still sitting in PSA to be graded. So what's going to happen when that million dollar backlog comes out and there's, you know, 3000 more RJ Barrett PSA 10 base cards, what's going to do, what's that going to do to the value of that card once the season starts? So I think just caution around slabbed cards. And to me, I've talked about it, slab base cards. And to me, I've talked about it. It's just, it's just not fun for me. It's not fun. It's not fun for me to have cards that everyone else has. Like I'm trying to build, I'm trying to build and develop my personal brand in the hobby. And like doing that, like I need to think about me and what excites me first and foremost. And I'd encourage all of you to think about what excites you. And if it is base cards then shout to you, shout out, like if that's, what's going to make you happy, then do it. But I'm just saying for me, the other thing too, is just like investor experts. And I think like, I, I probably like the approach I probably would have taken up front is just gone and talked with more collectors first. Part of what I tried to do when I got back into the hobby was looking, look at all all these like bozos on the internet talking about how they were investors and making all this money. And then what I was doing was unpacking what they were doing and try to make sense of it and say, you know what? I want to create content that's different from these bozos because this stuff is like reactive and this is transactional and I can tell they have a ill intent with their audience. So what I wanted to do was create investment type content that was more about rallying around work and rallying around process and strategy and empowerment and talk to my audience like they were my friends. And I do that every day and I, I really do. But what I would have done differently is I would have, out of the gates, I would have started talking with more collectors, more people who've been in the hobby, more people that are open-minded to investment, but are also knowledgeable on sets and trends and historical data. I'm telling you, everyone, the more connections I've made around collectors that are open-minded to investing, but have also run the gamut through all these eras of sports cards, that's where I'm learning the most. So I'd go back and I'd just focus more of my time around making those connections. If you're not connected to collectors, like go reach out, ask questions. I can't encourage that enough because it really matters and it really helps. I think the other thing too is just like, which now I feel really good about it. I feel, I, I really feel like in a way, like it was that period of time when I graduated from college and it took me a year or two, but it was like finally that moment where I was like, man, I got to quit smoking cigarettes. Like I got to do it. It's not good for you. But like I was so caught up in the partying and having a cigarette every now and again that like it was hard for me to drop. Well, yeah, they, they, might, make you, they might make you feel good, but you know, there's like really bad health implications during it. And I think like for me, like I, I take that moment of like trying to drop cigarettes to trying to drop wax. And the addiction around the wax craze. And I think like, you know, the the, the hobby is always going to be about ripping packs. And I talk about the nostalgic component and why that matters. And it's just a fun part of it. But the one thing that I have learned along the way is don't get caught up in the hype. Don't pay those ridiculous prices. Don't go camp out at Walmart for um, boat, for retail product. And if you do that, like, I'm not saying like, that's not what you should be doing. 
Again, if that's what makes you happy, do it. But for me, like there's so much risk and it might make you feel good when, when you hit those spots, but then like you're buying all this wax, you're, you're, you're taking it to chance. And it's just like, I feel so much better about myself now that I'm like not even worrying about retail or going to the LCS and buying a hobby box. Like I don't need it. I feel better about it, allows me to focus. And my hobby health is better than ever. Um, And then just closing out, it's just like the grading companies. Like I think about like the process that I've gone through with just like evolutions in the hobby and just getting, buying raw cards and like all this and that and putting them to grading companies. It's like that whole process, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of just being upset, waiting, impatient, stuff not happening. It's a lot of risk. And so like with grading companies in my own like current state, I've really refocused just on like buying the cards of players that really make me happy, making those connections in the hobby and eliminating steps. And the best way to eliminate steps is just to buy slabbed cards direct. Yes, it's more expensive, but it's more meaningful to me and it makes me happy. So that's just some of the things that I've been reflecting on recently and I think is really important. And I think it's really important for me to share my perspective. And I I think like there's so much opportunity to bring more collectors and investors together because I think like people want to label like new people entering the hobby who are back into cards after a long time as just investors. But I think the, the real talk around it is it just takes a while for these investor types to realize that they are collectors. And if they were buying cards as as a youth and ripping packs they were collecting those cards their the investor mindset wasn't there at least for me that's that's been the case so i think like let's all be kind to new people let's educate let's try to get them to see the way if they're asking questions um because i think once they're connected to og collectors they understand how cool this damn thing is they understand limited and low pop cards they understand how to find your lane in the hobby they understand all these awesome elements that allow us to wake up every morning and get so fired up and excited about what's happening in the hobby. Who's got a tracking device on all the people that were jumping in when no sports were happening, buying cards and selling them? Like, are Do we know are these people still around or not? I don't know. And maybe we shouldn't worry about them. Let's worry about the people that are in the hobby right now for the right reasons. And if they're people that are new in their investment investor types, like, and they ask questions, like be nice to them. I think that's something that I'm constantly doing because I was in those shoes not too long ago. I have seen the light and a lot of seeing the light involves personal experience and personal connections. And you can be someone's personal connection that shows them the light. So don't lose sleep over that. One thing that I wanted to call out is to talk about just my view from last place in the star stock contest. And I've gotten so many questions about, and no one's like uh, ragging on me and like telling me, I don't know what I'm talking about. I think people just don't really understand the contest. And so I just wanted to share some perspective of my view from last place and, and how I'm treating and what I'm doing. So I think like the big thing is, is I think a lot of, some of the assumptions I had around young skilled players haven't completely panned out after four weeks. And a lot of my approach and strategy has been focusing in on young talent and them having good games and then their card prices 
going up. And I think one of the the big issues I made right out of the gates in the contest was we've got a budget of $500. I spent it all right away. And I spent it all on, um, on players that I thought were going to bloom. So I bought more volume and players that I thought were going to bloom. And in retrospect, that probably wasn't the best approach and the best strategy. I think um, one of the observations that I made too now is that w- when I bought the cards, when I was allotted the money and bought the cards, it was at that period of time where the prices were at an all-time high for most of these cards because it was the b- before they're on the field prices. It was the hype prices. So I bought a lot of these cards when I was given my $500 before the contest at the peak of a lot of unproven and uncertain talent. Football's been freaking wild. We're going to get into it. Um, but just that was a problem. The other thing is, is like Prism, like I didn't focus too heavily on Prism. And that's within Starstock, it seems like where a lot of the volume is. I bought a lot of Select, but Prism is definitely king on that platform. And I'm in, I'm in a little bit of a hole right now. I, my guys are stuck. I'm lowering prices and literally nothing is I, I have got stuff listed and I know every week when Starstock posts it, it says no sales, but like I'm, I'm, I'm in a little bit of a hole. So like, I feel like it's that DFS feeling where I'm down and I'm getting kicked in the dirt. Um, there's still time. Um, I'm not losing sleep over it, but I've been getting a lot of questions about the Starstock contest. So I just wanted to take a few minutes um, and just share my perspective that, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit. I'm trying to get out of it. I I feel stuck and I feel like if I would have done things differently, I certainly would have uh, re- rethought it. But hindsight, again, you know, today is a lot of hindsight. Hindsight sights 2020. I will say on a positive note, I talked about moving and operating in slabs and how I wanted to limit a lot of the base stuff and how I was not going to get caught up in just the grading and all this junk and this backlog. It's not my personality type. I'm not doing it anymore. So what did I do? I sent a bunch of my raw cards to Starstock. And let me tell you, Starstock put those things in my account for sale quicker than I've, I could imagine. So I just want to shout out like Scott and team at Starstock. Like literally like I got like two or three emails um, about my cards. I, they're all up in my account. I've listed some of them. I'm getting offers on them, but now like all of my base cards, I have access to sell them on Starstock's platform, just in such an easy way. And that's fun to me because I don't care about these cards. Like I don't, like, I don't care about these cards. These are cards that like before this, I would think about like sending them to PSA or BGS or whatever to get graded. But like, that's not the game I'm running anymore. I like my sanity and this is a good way to maintain my sanity. So stacking slabs approved. This is my first time and I'm pumped i can share this with you all if you've got a bunch of rookie cards of guys that people are gonna want and they're just sitting underneath your futon in a box send those babies to starstock man the customer experience was first class if psa bgs or sgc could take some of what starstock was doing into consideration when it when it comes around the uh whole experience and communication then uh, that's, that's what I'm talking about. So I just want to shout out 
Starstock, I'm fired up to list some of these cards on Sunday. This is what I should have been doing all along. I have been paying close attention to the card prices and what's been happening. And I it's it's one of those things that I I just I can't find a rhyme or reason on a lot of card prices and what's going on in the hobby. I think the one thing that's been certainly inconsistent has been the prices of skill position guys. There's been a rash of injuries. It has just been brutal. And I think there's just been ups and downs. And to me, like I'm less motivated to look at the data on a regular basis and and look at it because it wasn't doing me any good. And so I'm going to start trying to look at things in chunks and periods of time and shoot back that analysis to all of you. And hopefully it helps you along the way. The one thing that I do know and does seem consistent until I woke up this morning is quarterbacks, right? Quarterback prices, quarterback cards, and things that are going up. And I think there, there's this mentality that obviously quarterbacks have always been the most important thing in the hobby, and we're definitely seeing that now. I'm not saying that some of the prices on some of the skill guys, DeAndre Hopkins and you know Zeke Elliott and some of those guys, those those haven't seen jumps, but definitely foot with football cards, uh, quarterback is king, and we're reflecting. I'm reflecting on that now as I look at some of the trends and data. So I think like. The one thing I wanted to do in this, just to spotlight some of that, is the um, looking at the NFL MVP race. Look at look at some of these cards and look at where they were and where they're at now. Let's start off with um, the at number five with plus fourteen hundred five number five according to Vegas right now in the MVP race. Josh Allen, his PSA ten prism. All right, let's first off on paper like. Josh Allen has played excellent football so far. He has just been lights out. Um, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you're fired up. You've seen Diggs um, be a nice comfort blanket for him, and I think that's super exciting for Bills fans. He's played just really, really good football so far, and so he's fifth in the MVP race. I think you look at his PSA 10 prism. Population is 614. I owned one of these cards, and I sold it. Um, and this is crazy. So if you look back in January 6th, the card PSA 10 was selling for $36 and now it's selling for $684. So there's a note to everyone. Make sure that you're not buying in season, you're buying in the off season, but that's crazy. If you would have got in on that card, then here's some concern here though. Like my recommendation and my recommendation with all of these is like, don't go buy now. There's too much risk in that. Josh Allen has a couple bad games and you bought in on the card at $684. That card's based on the current NFL market. That card's going to go $200, $300 dip overnight. That's legitimate. I have an example to show you. And the example doesn't even make sense. So Josh Allen, if you bought in in January, you're feeling really, really happy about yourself. All right. So his cards obviously are going up. You've got Lamar Jackson, PSA 10 Prism. He's plus 1,200 to win the MVP race. Population 482. In January, his prices were $431. Today, his price is $1,711. How about that? So the high in August, this card was $3,900. So this is crazy. Like it, like that right before the hype period, if you bought then and you look at the card now, you're like, oh my gosh. And this card has dipped just from 
the Chiefs game just because he lost the Chiefs game. So those fluctuations in prices based on like the hype period and the current uh, state of the NFL is just like indication, like don't buy now. Third, Aaron Rodgers, hell of a season. Jeez. I mean, he's just been lights out, gone through adversity with injuries on his team, just playing like old school Aaron Rodgers, which is fun to watch. He's amazing. Plus 600, PSA 10 Chrome, population 229. January 8th, 610 bucks you could have got in on that. Today, $1,925. September 23rd, 2125. So again, like that card has seen significant jumps since January, obviously. But it's also seen some dip in season while he's playing out of his mind. Doesn't make any sense. Patrick Mahomes, number two in the MVP race, plus 250. PSA 10, rookie, population 827. In January, before the Super Bowl, $784. Jesus, can you imagine? Today, the card is $6,174, a high price on July 28th of $8,488. Again, like shit might have been sailed a little bit on this. I just would not recommend anyone go buy this card right now just based on just the uncertainty of the market. And the front runner for MVP right now is Russell Wilson playing like a magician. Unbelievable. PSA 10, 2012, Tops Chrome. It's plus 160 to win the MVP. Population 749. This is nuts. In January 8th, this card sold for $89. Today, $1,622. Again, I would not recommend anyone buying that card right now because of the uncertainty with the football card market. Here's the punctuation mark in something that is near and dear to my heart. And again, got to call it out because it makes no sense to me about how unsteady football is. I woke up this morning, I looked at my card ladder, and I realized why do I have just this significant dip? And the problem is on the dip is, man, it's one card in particular. I woke up this morning and the one thing that caused me to share with you all that you all need to be cautious and a reason why it's tough and you shouldn't be buying these cards right now is personal impact and what happened to me with the Kyler Murray PSA 10 Silver Prism Rookie Card. This card last sold for $4,546. And today, the last sale, $2,425. That is completely crazy. And just I'm flabbergasted by just the drop and the, the amount of drop. I'm not saying that the card doesn't have an opportunity to go back up. It certainly does. But the significance of that price drop for for what? So Kyler lost a game. Okay. He was still awesome in that game and played. Yes, he had some turnovers, but he had some several moments of just pure joy. And Kyler's card market had been steady. And then for whatever reason, um, the card got cut in half from a from a cost perspective. And it, that's just crazy to me. And it just shows like the, what, like what happens if, if Kyler goes in and balls out against Carolina, is that card going to go back up? And who knows? And this, this card is the population's under a hundred right now. So that's the shocking thing to me is just, there's not a lot of copies of this card and just, I can't believe it went down. It, it, it went down what it did in such a short period of time. So that is a tale 
where we should all just be very, very cautious. I think it's like we all need to understand a few things. I think like we need to buy in the off season. And if you want to buy in on these cards, though, maybe pay attention and pick some of the cards the rest of the market is um, not paying attention to right now and hope that based on your belief in the player that those cards will will eventually get up. So just be cautious. That's what I want to do. And if it's my own personal instance or something else I'm viewing and monitoring, it's something that I just want to make sure with football in general, people are being very, very careful with how they spend their money. I want to shout out Kyle from the Wax Museum. And just he had an interview with Indiana Pacers legend Bobby Slick Leonard, and it was awesome. So if you all, um, hopefully you know Slick Leonard and his history. If you don't, go listen to that interview. It's a great opportunity to learn that. But you know, we grew up with uh, Slick on radio commentary, and he really coined the phrase that has just stuck with us Pacers fans forever, and that's "boom baby." Whenever Reggie would drill threes on on uh, on the radio, he'd say, say "boom, baby," and that's really become a part of Indiana Pacers basketball folklore and culture. And just his story on saving the franchise, his ABA, how he got his nickname—that's something that I definitely want to encourage all you listeners to go check out. That if you're a Pacers fan, it's a must. If you're interested in learning more from a Pacers legend, it's awesome. Want to? Shout out uh, a couple things here. So I want to shout out John, who's at Darth Collector, D-R-T-H Collector on Instagram. He just reached out to me, man, and he just, it was so nice. He sent me a package of cards, and there were these awesome Andrew Luck Prism insert cards that, um, again, just absolutely unnecessary, but just so nice. The amount of amazing listeners and people that are in the hobby. I, I just love it. It's just makes me so happy. So shout out, John, really appreciate that. I want to um, definitely shout out the hobby hustle for this week. So hopefully you're all following Jake at nineties B ball cards, but I've just been learning so much from his YouTube channel and content. And he wrote an article in the basketball card fanatic, the top 10 underrated sets of the nineties and I reached out to him and I said, hey, man, I'd love to have you on the Hobby Hustle to talk 90s NBA cards, educate the market, and talk about what you're passionate about. So really, really pumped to share that conversation with you this week. There's, You all know all the content that I typically listen to, and everyone's killing it. So I just shout out to everyone in the hobby who's making really, really good content. On the wrestling side, I got to say, our wives let us watch uh, Class of Champions when we were up in Minnesota, and it was great. Um, Got to shout out this Roman Reigns development and the character. I really like what they're doing there. Um, really excited that the Tribal Chief is ready to uh, be be a badass and to uh, just the storytelling that happened um, at Class of Champions is awesome, was awesome. So excited about the development of this character. On the music side, one of my favorite bands, Fleet Foxes, just out of nowhere, they released Shore, a new record of theirs. Been listening to that nonstop. So if you love the folky goodness and good harmonies, that is something that I definitely would encourage everyone to listen to. I've been getting kind of uh, philosophical in a way. I've been going from my heart when I've been tweeting and sharing some of the messages. And I felt like I just want to be real, share what's on the top of my mind sometimes. And it's been getting a really good reaction and traction. So I just wanted to close out by talking with one of the messages that 
messages that I put out in the market and just talk about the origin and just the response. But I, I, I tweeted, shiny objects will always be there and will always cause us distractions. New product, IG post, eBay alerts, it never stops. If you're distracted and buying cards that don't make you happy, then reset. We're all CEOs of our PC. We should operate as such. I That was a culmination of thoughts and opinions and ideas and conversations that I have been having about people being frustrated in the hobby. And I really put that, that really put it into perspective for me. And I shared that tweet out and it got an amazing response and reaction. And I just wanted to give like part of the reason I I put that is because I've been just really been keen on focusing on things that make me happy in the hobby. And I think one of those things is like treating your PC as you are the CEO and making the decisions yourself that are either going to make you happy or going to make you money. And one of the things that I think about is just Adam, when we were chopping it up about Basketball Card Fanatic, and he was talking about his collecting. He makes sure that it is something that is both his heart and his mind. Um, those two factors are into account when he's making purchases. And that's something that like I've really thought about. And I think whole, I hold, it holds true to me too when I'm making purchases in the hobby. And I think it's got to be something that you're connected with, but also there's not a lot of financial risk. And I think that's where like the being the CEO of your PC comes into place. Like don't pay attention to what other people are doing in the hobby, like focus in on yourself and what you think and what makes you happy. Uh, Lameem James said the best person to follow is yourself, um, what you buy and how you buy it. And I think like I was fortunate early in my career to be a part of a company that just was an absolute rocket ship. And I thought all companies operated this way. And I'm years later, quickly realized that was special. And, um, you know, in four, my first four years out of college, I joined a company that, um, went from high growth. I was like employee 747 to IPO to acquisition by, uh, software giant Salesforce. And that happened in like four year period of time. One of the things that like I think about in just that experience was the core values and the belief system of the company um, exact target that I joined right out of college. And there was core values that everyone lived by in that company. And if you're if you were operating on one or two of those, you are probably in good shape. But one of those that I always think about was uh, think like an owner. And that was a core value of the company. And so I thought like an owner, whatever role I was in, and I always try to say, this is my business. I'm going to operate as such. And the outcomes will be better if I do that. And I've thought it that way ever since I left um, that Salesforce and Exact Target and that experience and everything I do in life, whether it's work or um, hobby related, I always try to operate like I'm the CEO and I'm the owner of the business because it forces you to make the best decisions possible. And so that's really at the heart of it, where that came from. And I just wanted to comment back and just thank everyone for all the engagement on that post and just wanted to give you all some insights on that's where it was coming from. It was coming from some work experience that I've had, learning from awesome leaders and taking career and work experiences and applying them back to the hobby. I hope you enjoy that perspective. I try to trying to do more of that as fuse some of my personal and work experience into what I'm doing at the hobby. It seems like you all are enjoying that and it's gaining traction. So thank you all for that. Just wanted to provide some color commentary. 
If you like what you hear, definitely hit that subscribe button. Follow Stacking Slabs everywhere. Come on, the audience is growing. Join the party. I really appreciate all the engagement. Tell me what you think. How am I doing? Tell a friend. That's the number one thing you can do if you're enjoying Stacking Slabs. Go tell a um, someone you're trying to get into the hobby or someone who ha- is in the hobby and might not be listening. I really appreciate that. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Happy collecting, happy investing, and I'll talk to you again real soon. Bye.